Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Do you like being active in the water? We're surrounded by the ocean, and given our wonderful weather all year round, many of us enjoy the pool as well. But what are some of the injuries that you have to be concerned about with water sports? What are some of the things you can do to protect yourself? Well, we've got an expert. We've got Dr. Clayton Everline from Straub Bone and Joint Center to tell us more. We'll be taking your calls in just a few minutes at 941-3689. Toll free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. First in medical news, the long-awaited opening of Queens West Oahu Hospital, formerly known as Hawaii Medical Center West, before that, St. Francis Medical Center will be reopening this week, providing much-needed medical services to the Eva Beach community and beyond. In addition to Wahiwa and Polymomi, Queens West will fill the gap left when the former hospital location shut down. May 20th is the official grand opening. Full services will be available at that point. Can you cure cancer with a virus? Well, at the Mayo Clinic they did. For two patients who were uniquely not that immune to measles, they were given the virus in a modified form to help their immune systems attack their blood-related cancers, and voila, it seemed to work. In one woman with multiple myeloma, it put her in remission. For the other patient, their cancer came back but nine months later. What does that mean for the future of cancer treatment? Well, for now, more research is needed. Phase 2 trials are beginning at the Mayo Clinic to see if this novel approach can be applied to other tumors as well. Speaking of tumor treatment, right here at home, Kapiolani Medical Center is participating in a nationwide pediatric cancer trial with principal investigator Dr. Randall Wada using targeted molecular therapy towards tumors that have been resistant to standard treatment. Another way that we can see medicine making some progress right here at home in the islands. Sports medicine for surfers. The guy who wrote the book is here, literally the book, and the doc, Dr. Clayton Everline. He's currently practicing at Straub Clinic, co-author of Surf Survival, a surfer's health handbook. He's in the studio. If you're a lover of the ocean and water sports, how can you stay healthy in the water? What injuries should you be aware of? We'll tell you that and more. You can join us during the show at 941-3689 on Oahu, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Dr. Everline, welcome to The Body Show. Good to be here, Kathleen. Thank you. Now, you're a surfer. You're a specialist in sports medicine. You know, what's different about being out there in the water, that surfing has a unique susceptibility or rather... Um, tendency to have particular types of injuries. How is it different if you're out there in the waves? Surfing's different from a lot of sports in, in that the arena is completely dynamic and variable. Uh, you can control uh, many aspects of a terrestrial sport, such as a football field or tennis court, but you can't guarantee your terrain at any given time when you're out in the water. You can try your best to forecast it with wind, swell, tide, but it's still going to be changing, and it's still very dynamic. It's a, a sport that I consider one of the ultimate meritocracies. It's something that money can't uh, buy you a place in the lineup, uh, and you have to have a, a, a definite set of uh, physical 
and, and ethical skills uh, to manage yourself uh, and, and get the most reward out of your sessions. Now, let's say you're, you're somebody who's very familiar with the water, as you are. You go surfing quite a lot almost every day, get out in the water. You're really used to the conditions. Think about the beginners. What is it that they are most likely to have go wrong if they're not looking and respecting the power of the ocean and this dynamic interplay between their sport and what's going on out in the water? Well, the beginner, uh, or more colloquially known as the kook, is going to have a lot of issues when he gets in over his head both literally and figuratively. Overhead surf has about six times uh, rate of injury as a, as a waist-to-chest high surf uh, just due to the hydraulic forces of the water. Water is about 60 pounds per cubic foot. In Hawaii especially, we have reef. Uh, we have very strong rip currents uh, that can both cause some uh, significant soft tissue injury uh, and infection, uh, that being the reef, and uh, rip currents can lead to drowning if you're not familiar with uh, their, their mechanics and how to get out of them. Well, let's talk about that because it seems like every other week we hear about a tourist who has come here to enjoy the, enjoy the islands, and I always feel really bad. They go out in the water. It looks safe. They're not quite certain of their surroundings, or maybe it seems like it's not that very deep of water, and you hear about drownings, and you hear about people who have trouble while they're snorkeling, and events that you know, I would think would be okay in certain locations, and yet they're having such serious troubles. What's causing some of these injuries? And is it related to rip currents? Is it related to other medical problems while you happen to be in the water? What's going on? It's a great question, Kathleen. I actually did a, a lecture at the Hawaii Athletic Trainers Association on pre-participation clearance for ocean sports and, and specifically uh, surfing and stand-up paddling. Uh, I, I just heard on NPR this morning about a, a Maui snorkeler uh, who was uh, taken to uh, Maui Memorial Hospital and later pronounced dead. Uh, I, I can't speculate on, on the cause of his uh, morbidity or mortality, but a lot of people who come out to Hawaii are uh, unfortunately uh, in less than uh, proper physical condition. They haven't had a, uh, a thorough uh, pre-participation physical by their doctor which could include an EKG or a stress test if they're over 35 or have diabetes or smoke or have other cardiac risk factors. So while the water is one-eighth gravity and it's a wonderful medium for those who have arthritis or other gravity-related disorders, uh, it is a, a very intense exercise. Uh, it speeds up your metabolism. You, you burn more calories in the water uh, than on land. So it, it does stress the heart, and you have to make sure that you're in proper condition to tolerate those stresses. Well, and a lot of people, you come on vacation, it looks like it's fun. I want to try that. That looks like something I could do. And if you're not in the best of all physical shape, you could really injure yourself. That's correct. And, and I do think that every patient who has an aspiration to get in the water should get a thorough clearance from their primary doctor. Now, let's say that you've gotten the clearance and you're out there in the water. You see that, you know, hey, there's some other people out there. If if you're a beginner, should you always make sure you're at a beach with a lifeguard? Is that a big issue? Whether you're surfing or snorkeling or swimming, should you really seek out the beaches where you know there's help available? I believe so. I, and there's I, other people, too. I mean. Yeah, you should always tell someone where you're going. You should always take the, the proper precautions. And if you're a beginner and you don't know 
the specific information uh, for, for your ocean activity, then you should make sure that there's a lifeguard looking out for you. Now, one of the things that you've done in the past is you've surfed internationally. You've gone to really remote parts of the world and been able to go ahead and stay safe. You're still here. You've done great. But tell me, what are some of the unique risks for someone who's going to a country they're not familiar with? Because believe it or not, this may be the place that other people are not familiar with if this is their vacation destination. But what are some of those unique things that people need to keep in mind? That's a good question, Kathleen. Uh, Jerry Lopez uh, wrote the foreword to our book, Surf Survival, and uh, his foreword is a very honest uh, commentary on his first trips uh, to G-Land, which is a remote corner of Java in Indonesia. And uh, at at that time, there were still tigers in the jungle. Uh, Malaria was rampant. And and so we had to include all that information in our book uh, because there isn't a lot of good information on the internet. And that's unfortunately where a lot of uh, aspiring travelers and surfers get their information. So when, whenever I can, I recommend a, a thorough travel physical for people going internationally. And then they have to take the appropriate precautions. You're, you're much more likely to get injured in a car accident abroad than than you are even if you're surfing aggressively in, in, in bigger waves. Because I believe if you're traveling internationally to surf, you've already established a, a base of, uh, of, of surf uh, skills. So if you're going to the trouble of bringing a board and going to a remote country, you're really going to be a certain caliber of surfer. You're going to be familiar with that environment. Yeah, I believe so. Now, what about some things just with the water? You know, people want to go out in the water. What might somebody come in contact with, whether it be ocean animals or a reef or something along those lines? What are some of the risks right here locally at home? Sure. Well, the, the largest and most prolific animal is the reef. It, it is a living uh, thing, and uh, we have to take care of it. We have to respect it uh, because that that's what keeps our oceans beautiful, uh, and, and they're the, the, the foundation of uh, our our Hawaiian marine ecosystem. It's like the skin of the body. The skin is the largest organ of the body. The reef is like the skin of the ocean. Uh, but it can sting. It can cut very deeply, and it, it, and there are organisms uh, in the reef that can cause infection. There There's a lot of uh, methicillin-resistant staph aureus that can arise if you get a reef cut and you keep surfing on it. You can develop sea ulcers that are non-healing, and those ulcers can be compounded if you drink or smoke a lot uh, or have diabetes. So you have to take the appropriate precautions against the reef. Uh, the, the other uh, organisms to be worried about are Hawaiian box jellyfish. They usually come out about 9, 10 days after a full moon. And as you know, we recently had a full moon, so this weekend may be a setup. Uh, and uh, fish, uh, big fish out there in the water. Uh, tiger sharks uh, are probably the most uh, fearsome predator uh, that we have in Hawaii. Uh, we have uh, isolated incidents of shark bites. I think uh, last last year in the South Shore of Maui, we had a rash of shark bites, and uh, there was a, a shark bite up at Leftovers a couple years ago, which is a pretty well known North Shore surf break. 
So there, there's definitely danger out there. Uh, I, I think the reef is the most prevalent, but uh, the, the small things like the Hawaiian box and then the big things like the, uh, the tiger shark can definitely uh, put some fear in, into aspiring surfers' hearts. Now, the box jellyfish yes. might be coming sometime this weekend or sometime around then. What should you do if you happen to come, if you're in contact with one, you're in the ocean, you just so happen to be surfing or swimming or paddling out or doing something, what's your first step? So you see one, Mm -hmm. you know, I imagine you don't want to splash around and touch it or anything like that, but how else can you protect yourself? I've been lucky enough not to be uh, stung by a Hawaiian box jellyfish, but you can protect yourself in a limited fashion by uh, using a, a, a thin barrier, a rash guard with long sleeves. Uh, some some people have even taken away pantyhose in the water uh, to protect themselves. Uh, it's not a lethal sting, thankfully. And like uh, another one of the marine creatures that is a, a prevalent uh, injury causer, the, the sea urchin, the, the sting mechanism is a heat labile toxin, all right? So that means that if you do get stung and it is really bothering you, you find some non-scalding hot water and you're able to neutralize that toxin. Uh, you know, there's been some, some rumors that uh, urinating on, on, on these things uh, it can help, but there's been no studies that show that it helps other than the heat of, of the fluid. Uh, other countries uh, have more uh, potentially lethal box jellyfish um, in, in Australia, and those toxins are exquisitely removed by vinegar. And so there's this misconception that the Hawaiian box is, is equally uh, neutralized by vinegar, but that's not the case. It's a heat labile toxin. In fact, just about every toxin, uh, every stinging organism in Hawaii has heat labile toxin. So that means that if you heat it up, then you can neutralize the toxin and mm-hmm. you won't have that, that effect, whether it be the pain or the red in, redness or the, the pain in your muscle, not letting you walk correctly, whatever it is, put some heat on it. Yeah, if I could, if I could recommend anything uh, for the aspiring surfer who is going to get cuts, who is going to step on urchins or vana, uh, who may come in contact with the Hawaiian box because they forgot it was 10 days after the full moon, uh, keep a, a jug of water in your car, and the sun will heat it up. And, and by the time you get out, if you are injured, you can either flush out your wound with, uh, with warm water, which you need to uh, do anyway to prevent infection, and the heat of the water could potentially neutralize a, a heat label toxin from a re- marine sting. So that's a really good, simple thing someone could do. Just bring water, leave it in your front seat, let it heat up, mm-hmm. and it could help. Mm-hmm. Does the salt content have anything to do with with whether or not this is going to be an issue? I mean, should you use just regular tap water? Does hypertonic saline help at all? Anything that might help with the high salt content or doesn't really have a difference? It's a good question. Uh, it, it's the heat that, that really neutralizes the toxin. So heat it up. Yeah. And, and in terms of wound care after surfing, a lot of people swear by peroxide. A lot of people swear by uh, vinegar, but you want to preserve the the healthy tissue as much as possible. And aggressive uh, antisepsis can sometimes devitalize the tissue and, and lead to more wound healing complications. So in my book, Surf Survival, we say the solution to pollution or infection is dilution with aggressive irrigation, fresh tap water. So that would be enough? Yeah. You don't have to be pouring a whole bottle of 
of hydrogen peroxide. Ow, if people put alcohol on it, that just sounds painful. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do those things. No, you, you, uh, there's been no studies that show that it increases uh, the, the the chance of you successfully healing your wound without infection. You're, you're just causing some pain. I mean, even Tahiti and, and Fiji, if people get reef cuts, they're scrubbing their cuts with limes. It's, it's more of a hazing routine than, than uh, antisepsis. Uh, it, it does devitalize the tissue. You're turning your reef cuts into ceviche, basically. And <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound good. I like that until you mentioned but, ceviche. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I understand the, um, the thought behind it, you know, the citric acid to, to neutralize bacteria in the water. Nobody wants to get a MRSA infection uh, when, when they're outside of the U.S. healthcare system or, or outside of prudent uh, healthcare delivery. Now, if you do happen to be in a situation where you have a cut mm-hmm. and there's something in there, whether mm-hmm. it be part of the reef or there's something just stuck in there, how aggressive should you be getting it out? Uh, that's that's actually a good question because uh, there was a pretty uh, funny movie several years ago, uh, forgetting uh, Sarah Marshall, where uh, one of the actors has a piece of reef stuck in there and, and the guy pulls it out. All of a sudden, he starts squirting blood. Uh, you don't you don't want to pull out large objects that are embedded deep in the soft tissue if, if you think there is a chance of, uh, of an arterial laceration. But if you have just sand in a small superficial cut, yeah, do your best to irrigate it out and, um, and, and, and be prudent in, in not uh, reinfecting uh, an open wound by going surfing over and over and over again. So if you got an open wound, really stay out of the water? Yeah, I, they, I mean that's easier said than done. Most most surfers would say, "Yeah, right. I, I'm not going to stay out of the water. The swell's pumping, and and uh, I got you know I got some time off to surf." So in, in surf survival, we we take that with a, a grain of salt, and we understand that um, that the, the the lives of surfers are swell dependent. So we offer strategies to keep their wound care waterproof. Uh, that could that could involve. Uh, several dressings with uh, saran wrap and duct tape to uh, to make a, a waterproof dressing. The many uses of duct tape. It is uh, one of our uh, most prolifically used uh, surf medicine uh, items. Duct tape, yeah. all right. Yeah. Neosporin, bacitracin, does it matter, does it not? Once you're home, you've gotten out of the water, you've washed off your wound, mm-hmm. it looks pretty clean. Should you use those topical antiseptics or not really helpful? I think it's more of a peace of mind issue for a lot of people. They they want to know, and, and advertising, of course, has also helped ingrain that in our minds. Uh, if I put neosporin on my cuts when I get home, uh, just because there's there's a local pain reliever in there, and, uh, and and it gives me peace of mind that I've done everything I can to take care of it. All right, we're going to talk some more about what else you can do if you're out in the water. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Clayton Everline. He is the author of Surf Survival, the Surfer's Health Handbook. And when we come back, we're going to talk with some more folks. You can give us a holler at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands 877-941-3689. And we're going to hear about the most gruesome thing Dr. Everline has ever seen when he is out surfing in the water. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Cousins Patrick Landeza and Ian O'Sullivan share an evening of music and melee as they team up musically for the first time and debut their unique blend of classical and Hawaiian guitar. They will be joined by special guest guitarist Fia Lioso and bassist Chris Lau. That's Friday, May 23rd at 7.30. Tickets at 955-8821 or online at hprtickets.org. 
women all through life waiting and women busy and not waiting, I knew which I had to be. I'm Hope Davis. Join me this week on Selected Shorts for a celebration of Alice Munro from PRI, Public Radio International. Tuesday at 5 p.m. following Travel with Rick Steves. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with the author of Surf Survival, a surfer's health handbook, is Dr. Clayton Everline. He is an orthopedic specialist at Straub Clinic and Hospital in the Bone and Joint Center, and his forte is helping people deal with injuries in sports, particularly surf injuries. If you or someone you love has ever been out in the water, wanted to know what to do, had an injury, found some reef that happened to be attached to you, or wound up coming out of the ocean and having some sort of a problem, you may want to just hear from an expert about what to do, avoid that next time. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Before the break, we promised we would hear about the grossest thing you've ever seen. Now, the coolest part about this book, Surf Survival, is you have some color pictures in there. So right around dinner time, you get to sort of blow it for us and tell us about the grossest thing that you've ever encountered, either as the person who was injured or as the treating physician dealing with this. What's the grossest thing you've ever seen? Well, I got to tell you, Kathleen, it, it's ironic uh, that the grossest thing I've ever seen ever actually occurred uh, at a surfing medicine conference in Fiji. Uh, which has wonderful waves. Uh, there's a resort called Tavarua. Uh, it's the location of the Volcom Fiji Pro, uh, which is going on in a couple weeks. Uh, Fiji, the wave, perfect barrel uh, in cloud break and at another spot called Restaurants. And one of the reasons uh, the wave breaks so cylindrically is that the reef is so shallow. So we had uh, had a wonderful conference. We got... Uh, six to eight foot cloud break uh, almost every day and, and it started getting bigger and bigger towards the end. Uh, we had some really good sessions at restaurants, uh, which is the break uh, right in front of the resort. And in, in typical fashion, as with any uh, uh, leisure sport, the, the closer you get to the end of your time, you get more aggressive. So I was surfing with a, a Japanese ear, nose, and throat doctor uh, who's a remains a good friend of mine, and it was low tide at restaurants, and uh, he took off and uh, pulled into the barrel, and unfortunately he got bucked uh, over the front of his board. We call that going over the handlebars, uh, which is a very dangerous way to wipe out because you're going uh, headfirst uh, into the reef, and then your board is being sucked up uh, over the wave and and almost serves like a a, a catapult to catapult you back down on the reef. So you don't hit once. You hit two or three times because of the uh, spinning hydraulic force of the wave. So unfortunately, uh, my friend, uh, the surgeon, uh, sustained a a, a very uh, significant injury to his arms because they were protecting his head. And thank God that his uh, his head wasn't uh, bashed against the reef because his arms were full of coral reef, uh, uh, penetrating the forearms, entering the fascia, uh, thankfully missing every major vessel, 
but uh, embedded all the way up through the biceps and the triceps. And we had a very small infirmary. Uh, it's the same infirmary that, that the pro surfers get to use uh, at, at, the, at the event. Uh, and they try to keep it stocked at the resort, but uh, there, there was just way too much uh, material in there. So we did everything we could to irrigate, remove uh, the pieces of coral that weren't uh, immediately adjacent to potentially ruptured vessels. And, uh, and we, we sutured him with primary intention, which means to allow significant uh, room for the wound to expand because we anticipated a, an infectious process uh, to happen after that. We stabilized him well enough to get on the plane, and he flew home and uh, went to the operating room in Japan. And uh, that was the, the most gruesome, the most harrowing uh, uh, surf-related uh, medical responsibility I took on, even though you know, I've, I've, I've helped uh, suture people up at, at the Pipeline Masters right before they win the Pipeline Masters or, um, or, or, or something like that. But the most gruesome one was, was definitely one of my fellow doctors who, who got a little aggressive at the end of the trip and, and, and took a header right into the reef. So that can really be an issue. Here's somebody who, you know, you go to this medical conference, you have the medical background, you decide, hey, I'm going to go out and enjoy myself a little bit more aggressive in the waves. And boy, that's something that you can't take back once it happens. Yeah, you know, there's a go for it attitude in surfing. You really have to uh, push yourself to the limit and, and, and know what what side of the line uh is the right one uh and and if you're if you go over the line then then you do pay the price what about head and neck injuries you know we do happen to have sandy beach as a place that out towards waikai which is kind of notorious for having a very very uh, shallow break that can mm-hmm. really injure you and you can have some major head and neck problems not necessarily surfing maybe just bodyboarding are there symptoms that people should be aware of if they're out in the water, they're starting to have tingling or numbness down certain arms or legs? What do you do in that situation? And how important is it to get out of the water and get help fast? Well, that's a very good point, uh, Kathleen, is that, that Sandy Beach itself has been well studied. In fact, one of my orthopedic colleagues uh, did a, a study that showed Sandy Beach was the most uh, common place uh, to have a neck injury. Uh, the second was uh, McKenna Beach or Big Beach in Maui. Uh, and and the, the reason for that is that the wave breaks directly on the sand. Uh, there's, there's a couple inches of water uh, that, that allows the body surfer to uh, get the, the feeling of being in a, in a barrel, right, and get the, that, uh, that tube feeling. But unfortunately, uh, the, the impact rate is so much higher than... Uh, on on a on a surf break. So, th- that being said, uh, if you do have an injury uh, and you uh, have some kind of numbness, tingling, we call it a stinger. If it goes down one arm, uh, if you have any transient weakness, uh, you should really get out of the water and, and get uh, safe first of all, so that another wave doesn't break on you and compound the injury. And then you, you need to see what your active range of motion is. You, your body is inherent. It will not necessarily injure itself further. You, you will auto-splint subconsciously. But if you're in that position, I, I would recommend getting uh, urgent medical attention. Go to the lifeguard and, and let them know what happened. 
and they may even call an ambulance, whatever the situation might be. Mm -hmm. A couple years ago, there was a professional surfer that had a neck injury and uh, at the Pipeline Masters, and, and we had to uh, get that patient imaging. I, I could not let that patient or that surfer uh, uh, surf competitively and, until uh, he was radiographically cleared. So if you do have symptoms such as a stinger going down both arms or you have transient weakness uh, or any problems whatsoever, get out of the water, get to a safe place, get checked out so you can go back in with confidence. Because when you go into a potentially life-threatening area without the full confidence that you, you can do what you set out to do, you, you put yourself and others in danger. We've had some colleagues who have written uh, articles about surfer's myelopathy, yes. just in particular looking at the type of problem that can happen in the spinal cord, even from beginning surfers just kind of arching their neck for a long time in a position that they're not necessarily used to. And that can also cause, in some cases, could be transient, could be permanent neurologic issues that need to be addressed. So danger signs, if you're out in the water, would be, you mentioned a stinger, that sensation going down one arm. Mm -hmm. You mentioned any sort of weakness. Anything else that would be a definite danger, get in quickly type of sign people need to know about? Any kind of sharp pain. Uh, it, when you say surfer's myelopathy, uh, you're referring to a, a potentially uh, paralyzing uh, issue that mostly beginner surfers get. And, and there's been a lot of uh, study and, and speculation, including uh, some notable Straub physicians involved in uh, writing articles. Uh, and that is characterized by acute uh, mid to low back pain presumably from hyperextension on, on the soft top board uh, that, that people usually learn on. Uh, patients are usually um, dehydrated, uh, possibly from the airline travel. Uh, they're potentially hypercoagulable, which means that their blood clotting is off, also from airline travel. Uh, and, and so those are the risk factors. But if you're out in the water, whether it's a cramp, whether it's uh, a sore back, if you're having pain that is distracting you from being safe, you got to just get in and, and get checked out. You, you have to have your head on a swivel out there. Just to make sure that you're safe and everyone else is safe. Yeah. Now, what if you're with a friend and they happen to go in? What can you do to help them? What are some first aid principles that you could know, even if you're not the person who has to get out of the water, but that's your friend you came with? Yeah, I mean, you, you should have a responsibility uh, to to help other people in the water uh, when, when you surf it at any break. Uh, it, the, the surfboard itself is... Uh, a very good tool uh, for rescue of self and others. Uh, and in Surf Survival, we have uh, a, a chapter uh, that highlights uh, head and neck injuries and uh, spinal immobilization uh, and, and how to uh, properly load somebody up uh, onto their board uh, in the water and paddle them in safely uh, while immobilizing uh, their head or their uh, potentially injured spine. And the reason it's important to immobilize them is because? Because there is a potential for neck fracture. And, and neck fracture uh, can be unstable, and it can lead to paralysis if it's, uh, if it's not packaged properly. Interesting that you use the board, kind of like a stretcher. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a firm board, and you can actually use it to help support the spine and other things. Mm -hmm. And you can use the leash to help, and you can use the to a towel or a rash guard as a soft collar. You can do everything you can. I mean, that's, that's why wilderness medicine is so important in, in this field, is that 
a lot of surfing happens in a wilderness. And you mentioned that because in other countries that's where it is? Yes, in other countries and even, even if, here if in you some consider cases? Hawaii, yeah, if you I consider wilderness anywhere it takes more than an hour to get to definitive level one trauma medical care. And that could be parts of your North Shore. Yeah, that yeah, could be exactly. parts of the surf spots that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. That's right. In that situation, you know, we often, you might see on TV, somebody seems like they're not breathing and then all of a sudden they wake up and they cough and they spit out water and stuff. I mean, that's that's television stuff, right? So mm-hmm. if somebody looks like they're not breathing, you bring them in, you do CPR, you do whatever else, how likely is it that they will have that outcome. They'll sort of turn, cough out some water, they'll start to breathe again. Is that real or is that just really, you know, Hollywood, somebody saved the day business? Yeah, I I don't want to oversell it, but CPR is effective, but it's not always effective. And uh, uh, I I thank God that I I haven't had to deal with that uh, on the shoreline. We have very capable lifeguards uh, who are trained uh, in emergency response, and uh, that is that is one big reason uh, that if you don't know exactly what you're doing, you got to be somewhere that you have a, a lifeguard looking out for you. So make sure mm-hmm. if you're not that experienced, you go somewhere either with people who can help you mm-hmm. or with a lifeguard who's watching out. That's correct, and, and don't rely entirely uh, on on the lifeguards. You have to you have to know your skill set. And, and be aware of it and, and have the lifeguards there just as a, an emergency backup. Yeah. Common mistakes that people make in the water that they could have avoided if they planned ahead. Well, the common mistakes in regards to surfing or, or just in the ocean in general? Both. Both? Okay. Well, yeah. Common mistakes, getting sucked out by a rip current, not knowing the tides, getting uh, slammed by an uh, incoming tide wave onto the reef. Uh, I've seen it at Shark's Cove countless times, just even driving past in my car where the, uh, the swell comes up. People are perched on the rocks uh, on, on the uh, Mackay side or the, the ocean side of the pool, and they get knocked over in the rocks and then washed into the pool, and they have to come limping out, uh, bleeding profusely everywhere. Uh, because they didn't know what the tide was. And, How do yeah. you get out of a rip current? Well, there's you had there's several types of rip currents. Uh, you have to know what kind of rip current you're in. If you're uh, in a longshore current, or uh, if you're around a, a fixed jetty or, or rock formation, usually the the best way to get out of a rip current is to swim parallel to the shore uh, and and towards a, a breaking wave. That, that can actually wash you in. I mean, that's and, and that's where the the difference between uh, the surfers and, and other ocean wreck users uh, come into play in regards to drowning. Is the surfers actually are trying to get washed in, uh, and uh, other snorkelers and, uh, and and swimmers are trying to stay away from the breaking waves, but. That's that they're they're basically missing out on their ride home, and they're trying to fight the current, which exhausts them, and then they finally uh, give up. And, and so you should, if you're out in the water, and you feel as though you're getting pulled out, you should try and swim parallel to the shore, but look for the waves. Look for uh, look for any kind of water that's moving back towards the shore. Yeah, and and not just try to try to swim a straight line against the current because that. If you don't have a, a surfboard or, or another flotation device to, to help propel you, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle, and, 
Um, you know, if you don't have fins, you, you could potentially just tire out and drown. You know? If there is a fixed object, if there is something out there, a rock formation, swim away from it or swim towards it? Uh, fixed objects actually will uh, will have the rip closer to them uh, because uh, the the water is is dredging out right next to them. So in, in surf survival uh, on page uh, nine and ten, we have uh, two main uh, types of rip currents. One one's at a beach break, which could mimic a, a ehukai or pupakea up on the north shore, uh, and, and some of our other spots in, in Waikiki. And then uh, page 10, we have uh, a pier or a rock wall, which could mimic uh, places like, uh, uh, say, Green Lanterns on the west side or uh, uh, Rocky Point. Yeah. So uh, you know that the, uh, that the water's going to follow gravity, even though, you know, in the ocean you don't think gravity's at play. Water is 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 washing in towards the shore, and then gravity is bringing it back down along the ocean floor. And and you gotta you have to literally visualize um, uh, that flow uh, to help you help you get out. So you really gotta study where you're going. You can't just jump in cavalierly and and, and expect everything to work out. What do you do when you travel internationally? I mean, if you haven't been in that area before, mm -hmm. do you always hook up with a local to make sure they can show you the ropes, can tell you a little bit more about the currents, or are there ways that you can assess them yourself? Yeah, you can you can assess currents uh, and tides uh, just by watching the waves, and you watch you, you watch other surfers. Uh, uh, an old friend of mine uh, told me when I was first learning to surf, he, he said, uh, "Watch how the kids paddle out to the surf." Because they they've been taught uh, how to get out there and and uh, and and you can try to emulate some of, some of the uh, the better surfers' behavior because they they've uh, they've learned by trial and error uh, where the best places to get in and out are. Um, one one caveat um, uh, is not to uh, always follow uh, the uh, the aggressive people out because sometimes they take some risky shortcuts and you know you got to just be fully informed of of where you're surfing where you're going uh and to to answer your question yeah when i travel internationally i usually have uh, a, a point of contact who, who knows the area and uh i try to exhibit as much respect uh and uh and courtesy to to the the host surfers that are there well, it only makes sense. They know the ropes. Yeah, exactly. They can tell yeah. you the good ways or the not-so-good ways. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Clayton Everline. We are talking about surf medicine. What can you do if someone you love just so happens to get injured out there in the water? And what are the safe ways to practice your first aid skills if you need to? things that you might need to survive here on the beaches. If you've got a question, you can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. What kind of beauty do you like? Is it the pampered Mediterranean coast of Monaco? And just stand there and look at all those boats, cars, and beautiful people everywhere. Or would you rather go wild in the fjords of Norway? And you just completely are in awe of how stunning the landscape is in the fjords. Explore fjord country and Monaco on the next Travel with Rick Steves. Tuesday at 4 p.m., right after Fresh Air. 
I'll turn it on in the living room to hear Prairie Home Companion, or it's just to have the beautiful classical music on in the background. I'm an addict of Morning Edition, and when I'm fortunate enough to be going home during the hours when All Things Considered is aired, I always tune into that as well. I mean, it's the preset on my radio dial in my car. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Clayton Everline. We're talking about how to be safe in the water. We live here in the islands surrounded by beautiful beaches, and sometimes you just can't help yourself but want to go in, go for a dip, go swimming, or do some other activities, paddle boarding, kite surfing, body surfing, all these sorts of things. We're talking about how you can stay safe if you decide you want to go out there in the open water and try it out for yourself. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands 877-941-3689. Now, we mentioned, Dr. Everline, that you have to be physically fit enough to really go out in the ocean and know your your skill sets, know exactly what you can and can't do. Are there activities you can do on land to help you so that you're in the water and you can balance better or you can participate in the activities and kind of have a better level of physical fitness? Sure, sure. There's uh, many strength training exercises that can tune you up for for surfing. It's been said that the the best way to train for surfing is to surf, but if you establish a, a good physical fitness base, you're going to be at a, uh, a a much better advantage. Uh, in in the book, I actually have a, a whole chapter dedicated to uh, some exercises, including uh, some stretches for healthy shoulders. Uh, some uh, core muscle activation exercises. A lot of surfers swear by yoga. Uh, a lot of surfers uh, swear by qigong, uh, pilates. Uh, there's there's a lot of methods, but sustainably uh, strengthening and stretching your body and keeping your rig in optimal shape is is the best way to stay um, active in the water and prevent injury, uh, such as sprains and strains. So things you can do on land, some of those muscle mm-hmm. strengthening, stretching activities can help you, particularly when you go out in the water. Do you see a lot of older surfers out there? Oh, yeah. Because they're able to do it since the water is less harmful in their joints or because it's one of those activities that the more you do, the better you get at it? Yeah. And I, I, I tend to believe that, uh, that, that surfing is a lifetime sport. And the more experienced you get in the sport, uh, the more injury-proof you become. Even though you're taking more risks, older surfers and more expert surfers do have a higher injury rate, but that, uh, that rarely uh, keeps them from trying to surf again. Yeah. What about stand-up paddle? I mean, that's something that looks like you better be good on a board, you have to know how to balance, but it's yet an entirely different sort of activity. How is it different than the type of surfing you do, and what are some of the risks and injuries that you might have if you're not careful? That's a great question, Kathleen. I I actually uh, insisted on putting a stand-up paddling chapter in Surf Survival because uh, of its rising popularity uh, in ocean sports. Uh, stand-up paddling can really help uh, those surfers who uh, have suffered uh, uh, overuse neck injuries or low back injuries because you don't have to put your body into that hyperextension. You're in upright uh, position. Uh, it's a very uh, core and balanced intensive exercise. You don't necessarily even need uh, good waves uh, to enjoy yourself out there. 
uh, things that are unique to stand-up paddling are, are the size of the board, uh, which can uh, magnify the intensity of, of wipeouts, especially in large surf. And the fact that you also have a paddle uh, to hold on to, uh, and uh, that itself can, can cause uh, some uh, unique injuries, some finger dislocations from trying to hold on to the paddle in, in, in heavy surf. And, of course, you know, there, there is uh, something to be said about uh, uh, collisions uh, with, with, with stand-up paddles, and, and you, don't, you don't necessarily want to uh, get in the way uh, if you like to get your waves, and, and there's a lot of other surfers around. So uh, I, I, I do enjoy surfing on a stand-up board, and I, I usually try to uh, respect and, and take my turn and, and, and play well uh, out there. It really is everything you needed to know in life you learned in kindergarten. Uh-huh. You all have to share the waves, share the water, respect who gets to the wave first, uh-huh. and, you know, really just just learn how to play together well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I've, I've been the doctor at, at some uh, big wave stand-up events at, at Sunset Beach. I've, I've seen a lot of scalp injuries. I've had to... Uh, I've had to uh, address, you know, helmet use uh, in, in, in big wave uh, stand-up paddling uh, because of that. Uh, and, and you're right. Uh, the, the bigger board does allow you to, to get in sooner, and, um, and, and that presents a mechanical advantage against other surfers. But just like with longboarding and shortboarding, if, if, if you do take your turn or, or you opt for a wave that's more suitable to a stand-up, then, then you can definitely... Uh, have a lot of good karma and, and, and social harmony. There you there. go. We need yeah. a little bit more of that everywhere. Yeah. All right. We've got Kevin on the line from Maui. Kevin, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you. Thanks for calling uh, us. What can we do for you today? All right. I just have a question for Dr. Everline. Um, sure. A lot of the crew that I surf with, we're working construction jobs, so we're staying hydrated, but once you're out, surfing the late afternoon, evening session, you end up getting cramps. So I'm wondering what you would recommend a person eat or drink before surfing uh, to prevent cramps. And then also I just have oftentimes like I'm thinking that I'm doing the right thing, so I'll drink uh, electrolytes or whatever before I go out, but I'll still get cramps out in the water. And I'm wondering, is there any benefit to actually just drinking a couple mouthfuls of seawater you're getting cramps while you're out surfing. Well, that, that's a good question, Kevin, and thanks for asking. Uh, uh, salt depletion uh, in the body uh, with exercise it is a, a chief uh, cause of cramps, and I've, I've had cramps myself out in the water, uh, especially in my calves. Uh, the, the one thing I have to warn you about is that the, the salinity of seawater does not uh, equal uh, electrolyte content, and 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 the, the old adage that, that drinking seawater is dangerous still holds. Um, that being said, uh, it, is, it is good forethought uh, to put electrolytes in your body. And, and so what we recommend in, in surf survival is that you, uh, you make your own sports drinks by diluting uh, 50-50 fruit juice and water and then adding half a teaspoon of salt. Uh, salt water, un- unfortunately, Despite its outward beauty, the ocean is a bit polluted, and you don't want to use that as as uh, your electrolyte source. Okay, but say w- once you're out in the water, and you know how it goes. I mean, you just sure. tend to stay out there as long as you can, and that now you're starting to get cramps. But you don't want to go in, and you're just so. Is there any benefit at all if you were just to drink a mouthful of 
of ocean water, or is that just worthless? Yeah, yeah. Kevin, as a, as a physician, I, I couldn't really recommend drinking drinking the seawater to prevent cramps because, really, you're you're experiencing a combination of muscle fatigue and dehydration. If you're going to plan on doing a marathon session, which I can totally empathize and respect, uh, I would I would put a, a small six ounce, um, you know, half half size uh, water bottle full of uh, of electrolyte solution in your board shorts pocket. Uh, there's even, I've even tried, um, putting a, a, a camelback under my rash guard, uh, for, for marathon paddle sessions and it. it has come in handy. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, sure thing. All right. Thanks for calling us, Kevin. We've got Wada on the line from the big island. Wada, welcome to the body show. Yeah. Hi. Um, my name is Wada Pendejo. I'm calling from um, the big island and you've been addressing how to prevent physical injuries in the surf. Um, I guess my concern is is that for me, I, I'm a surfing addict, and, um, you know, addiction is something that you really can't control, and I started out when I was really young. Um, I, I would hold on to my dad's neck, and I'd ride in on his back when he would be body surfing, and then I kind of, you know, graduated to body surfing myself, and then I, I rode inflatable air mattresses and boogie boards, and then I went on to surfboards, and and, you know, one thing just kind of led to another, you know, but that, that first ride on my dad's back was like, you know, the gateway experience for me. And and now it's like my whole life, it's, 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 there's just this compulsion to surf whenever I can. And, you know, when I was growing up, it's like I would ditch school, so my grades suffered. And so, you know, then I wasn't really able to get, you know, a really great job because I was always like, you know, losing my job because I was always like going, going surfing. And, um... And and all my money, all the money I make, it goes to surfing and, and, and surf wax and board shorts. And I got long boards and short boards and skateboards and, and, and I stand up paddle board. And it's like it, 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 it just it just doesn't stop. And it's like, you know, I've, I've lost girlfriends. You know, I, I, I go surfing for hours and leave my girlfriend just like, you know, you know, sitting on the beach like forever. You know, you know, when she gets sunburned and like it, it's raining and like I, ju- I just don't care. So so my concern is that with all these future generations that are that are coming on and, you know, how can we prevent these kids from becoming surfers and, 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 and suffering? Uh, you know, and, and becoming surf addicts like I like I have, and um, you know, you know, is there a? It's like you know, there's that old song, and it, it could be applied to surfing, like mothers don't let your babies grow up to be surfers. Do you have any comment on that? Sure. Well, I, I think you you've accurately described uh, the, the diagnosis of addiction, where where something begins to interfere with with a productive life, and as a physician, I. I I can understand that there are inherent dangers to something that really uh, gives you an in, intense pleasure. Uh, you can be addicted to drugs and sex and uh, and, and, and lose uh, some of your um, priorities in, in the immediate uh, acquisition of a pleasurable experience. So uh, one, one thing that, you know, I don't write about in the book but is equally important is sustainability. Uh, you have to uh, you have to keep it all in perspective that uh, surfing is a gift. Uh, it's a reward uh, for uh, being uh, a, a contributor to uh, society and, and being a good person. Uh, and that's the way I've I've kept it. Uh, that it's not the it's not the absolute 
pursuit of perfect ways at the perfect time, but uh, doing the best you can with the time that you have. Uh, I hope that helps, uh, but uh, th- there are uh, certain uh, dark sides to any any healthy pursuit. People can can run until they get stress fractures, and and people can surf until they, they lose their significant others in their jobs. So, if there's anything I could recommend to the the, the surfing youth is to keep it all in perspective, keep keep something sustainable so that you can surf and at the same time have a family and a successful career. I mean, to me, that that's surf survival. Said from somebody who's tried to do it themselves. All right. Good advice. You know, I think when people get addicted to something, there can always be some consequences. But like you said, just keeping in mind the rest of your life as well might be helpful. And always, you know, talking with a mental health professional, never hurt anybody if they have some issues and want to talk through ways to help reprioritize their life. All right. We've got Ken on the line from Waikiki. Ken, welcome to The Body Show. Aloha. Aloha. I do them every day. Are there any uh, creams or lotions that you can wear on your arms or legs to, uh, like, uh, create a barrier between myself and the uh, box jellyfish? Actually, that's a very good question. There was a, a, a cream that was invented in Israel that prevented the discharge of the stinging cells of jellyfish, and it was also a sunblock. Uh, I'm not sure if it is uh, commercially available. Uh, but excellent question. And until uh, it is commercially available, uh, use of a, of a mechanical barrier such as uh, a lycra top uh, or a rash guard or, or even a, a very thin wetsuit can help. All okay. right, Ken. Nothing available yet that we know of, but uh, but certainly there's stuff out there being researched and might come to commercial use hopefully pretty soon because I'm certain you're not the only person who wants to know how to protect themselves from the box jellyfish. I mean, if we do have jellyfish this weekend, it's a holiday weekend and people are going to want to go out and be at the beach and what a time to have to be extra careful. But on the same lines, you know, who wants to have a sting? Certainly doesn't sound like it would feel very good. And it might just really just kind of take an unfortunate turn if you're having a nice holiday weekend at the beach. So... Hopefully, you'll be able to find a way to protect yourself. Uh, Dr. Everline, I like the barrier protection method, though. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people say, how can I stay safe in the sun? And we say sunscreen, and we say apply it every 20, 30 minutes if you're going to be out in the water a lot, um, sometimes every couple of hours. But barriers, you know, sometimes we forget. Just wear a shirt. Mm-hmm. Wear a wetsuit. Wear a rash guard. Wear something to protect yourself. It's funny that you say shirt because a T-shirt has an SPF of six, but there's uh, there's special uh, paddle shirts that have an SPF of 50 or above. Uh, mechanical barrier creams such as uh, titanium uh, dioxide and uh, some of the more barrier-oriented sunblocks uh, are the best form and, and should especially be used on uh, the face, nose, uh, and, and lips, uh, as well as the ears and, and the neck and, and any area that you cannot uh, provide a, a fabric barrier over. It's an important point, too. You mentioned lips, that often people will burn their lips and not realize it, not put sunscreen on their lips, whether it be a chapstick with sunscreen or something else. Mm-hmm. And that's another area which can really burn pretty easily. Yeah, it's true. And it can cause sailor's lip. Uh, if ever you had a, a sun, sunburn on your lips, it's intensely painful. 
And uh, you got to get checked out if you do develop any kind of uh, abnormal uh, freckle or, or lesion on your lip. Now, you mentioned electrolytes. That's a good idea to take before you go. You know, you mentioned maybe bringing some sort of fluid with you. Anything in particular that you said fruit juice and and water and a little bit of salt, that's a good way to bring some electrolytes with you? Yeah, I, I think what the uh, the gentleman out in Maui uh, was alluding to is that you don't leave good surf. If you're out there and it's good, uh, people could stay out two, three hours. And you do put yourself at significant danger when you let yourself get exhausted and dehydrated. And as I enter middle age, I, I feel the cramps once in a while, especially um, when I'm trying to you know, perform a, a pretty aggressive maneuver or, uh, or try to uh, get myself out of the barrel uh, doing what's called a Hawaiian pullout where you direct your board back up through the lip. Uh, the important thing is to stay sustainable. Like I, I told the other gentleman about uh, surf addiction, uh, you, you do have to allow your body uh, to recuperate Things that I've done, I've taken energy bars and and small containers of uh, electrolyte fluid if I do plan on being out there. Uh, but, you know, you really have to remember your judgment because uh, a, a epic session can turn into a nightmare if, if uh, all of a sudden your, your body doesn't work the way you need it to. Now, we've talked about this book. We've mentioned it. I'm looking at a copy of it. If somebody's interested in Surf Survival, Surfer's Health Handbook, where can they get it? Well, I know there's two copies at Barnes & Noble as of uh, two days ago, and uh, it's always available on Amazon.com. Uh, Quicksilver helped us out when uh, we had the initial uh, publication, uh, but uh, I'd be happy to sign them uh, anytime you bring them by. Uh, most, of the, most of the online bookstores do carry uh, a stock of them. Yeah. And it's color. It has great photos. I mean, I've been watching it as you page through it throughout the show and certainly seems like uh, there's a lot going on in there that people could learn from. Even if you're not a surfer, you could really learn a lot regardless. Right, right. And, and to answer the Waikiki gentleman's question on, on a special cream, uh, try uh, looking up Safe C. Uh, that cream uh, has been invented and it was actually modeled after the protective coating of the clownfish the one that swims in the sea anemones, yeah. So we learn from the fish how to protect ourselves exactly. from other sea animals. All right, well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us My today pleasure. on The Body Show. Dr. Clayton Everline is an internal medicine, sports medicine fellowship-trained orthopedic specialist who's available at Straub Clinic's Bone and Joint Center. If you want to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week. We're going to talk with an expert from the TB Control Branch. That's going to be Monday at 5, right here on The Body Show. We'll see you then. Woo!